Hello, world. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. According to Greek legend, Sisyphus was a king of Corinth. For defying the gods with his insolent wit, he was sentenced to the eternal drudgery of pushing a huge stone up a hill, and when he'd reached the summit, the stone would roll back to the bottom, forcing him to do it all over again. 20th century writer and philosopher Albert Camus found in this legend of the Corinthian king a picture of modern man's condition, the purposeless absurdity of life. But what if Camus had read the two biblical letters that Paul sent to the Corinthians? Hey, hopeful, welcome to For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, and welcome to the part of our journey together where we read through every word of God's revelation of himself, including today on Groundhog Day, and just thinking about life and work along the way. There is a lot of real life, real messy life in Corinth, just like there is for you right here and now. Albert Camus um, might have gotten a radically different picture, obviously, one with a message of purpose and hope for a misdirected people. Today we kick off 1 Corinthians, as you might have guessed. Here we go. Paul, called as an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Sosthenes our brother, to the church of God at Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called as saints, with all those in every place who call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both their Lord and ours, Grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you, because of the grace of God given to you in Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in Him in every way, in speech and all knowledge. In this way, the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you will be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. You were called by him into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, that there be no divisions among you, and that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. For it has been reported to me about you, my brothers and sisters, by members of Chloe's people, that there is rivalry among you. And what I'm saying is this. One of you says, I belong to Paul. Another says, I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in Paul's name? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that none of you can say you were baptized in my name. I did, in fact, baptize the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't recall if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ will not be emptied of its effect." And that, my friends, 
gets us up through the first 17 verses, kind of the introduction. And uh, by the way, this week I'm doing a series in our Always Be Ready segments that speak to meaning and purpose, not just in work, but by working. But I warn you, unlike the attitude of these Corinthians that we just read about and their legendary king that smacked of proud self-centeredness, you might be challenged to follow Jesus in a new light. I hope you do. But now we turn our attention to the seven-year-old king <laughs> and maybe a, even a lesson for us like uh, in leadership and how you influence when you're not the king. The chronicler here, we begin our, we're going to do the same parallel passage in Chronicles and Kings. The chronicler mentions the priest's failure, the priest that was the influence of the king, but softens, the tone is softened in the account in Kings. Interesting. Picking up in Second Chronicles, chapter 24. Joash was seven years old when he became king, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zibiah. She was from Beersheba. Throughout the time of the priest Jehoiada, Joash did what was right in the Lord's sight. Jehoiada acquired two wives for him, and he was the father of sons and daughters. Afterward, Joash took it to heart to renovate the Lord's temple. So he gathered the priests and Levites and said, Go out to the cities of Judah and collect silver from all Israel to repair the temple of your God as needed year by year and do it quickly. However, the Levites did not hurry. So the king called Jehoiada the high priest and said, Why haven't you required the Levites to bring from Judah and Jerusalem the tax imposed by the Lord's servant Moses and the assembly of Israel for the tent of the testimony? For the sons of that wicked Athaliah broke into the Lord's temple and even used the sacred things of the Lord's temple for the Baals. At the king's command, a chest was made and placed outside the gate of the Lord's temple. Then a proclamation was issued to, in Judah and Jerusalem that the tax God's servant Moses imposed on Israel in the wilderness be brought to the Lord. All the leaders and all the people rejoiced, brought the tax, and put it in the chest until it was full. Whenever the chest was brought by the Levites to the king's overseers, and when they saw that there was a large amount of silver, the king's secretary and the high priest's deputy came and emptied the chest, picked it up, and returned it to its place. They did this daily and gathered the silver in abundance. Then the king and Jehoiada gave it to those in charge of the labor on the Lord's temple, who were hiring stonecutters and carpenters to renovate the Lord's temple, also blacksmiths and coppersmiths to repair the Lord's temple. The workmen did their work, and through them the repairs progressed. They restored God's temple to its specifications and reinforced it, and when they finished, they presented the rest of the silver to the king and Jehoiada, who made articles for the Lord's temple with it, articles for ministry and for making burnt offerings, and ladles and articles of gold and silver. They regularly offered burnt offerings in the Lord's temple throughout Jehoiada's life. Jehoiada died when he was old and full of days. He was 130 years old at death. He was buried in the city of David with the kings because he had done what was good in Israel with respect to God and his temple. However, after Jehoiada died, the rulers of Judah 
came and paid homage to the king. Then the king listened to them, and they abandoned the temple of the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and served the Asherah poles and the idols. So there was wrath against Judah and Jerusalem for this guilt of theirs. Nevertheless, he, meaning God, he sent them prophets to bring them back to the Lord. They admonished them, but the people would not listen. The Spirit of God enveloped Zechariah, son of Jehoiada the priest. He stood above the people and said to them, This is what God says. Why are you transgressing the Lord's commands so that you do not prosper? Because you have abandoned the Lord. He has abandoned you. But they conspired against him and stoned him at the king's court command in the courtyard of the Lord's temple. King Joash didn't remember the kindness that Zechariah's father Jehoiada had extended to him, but killed his son. While he was dying, he said, May the Lord see and demand an account. At the turn of the year, an Aramean army attacked Joash. They entered Judah and Jerusalem and destroyed all the leaders of the people among them and sent all the plunder to the king of Damascus. Although the Aramean army came with only a few men, the Lord handed over a vast army to them because the people of Judah had abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors. So they executed judgment on Joash. When the Arameans saw that Joash had many wounds, they left him. His servants conspired against him and killed him on his bed because he had shed the blood of the sons of the priest Jehoiada. So he died, and they buried him in the city of David, but they did not bury him in the tombs of the kings. Those who conspired against him were Zabad, son of the Ammonite woman Shimeath, and Jehazabad, son of the Moabite woman Shimrith. The accounts concerning his sons the many divine pronouncements about him and the restoration of God's temple are recorded in the writings of the books of book of the kings his son Amaziah became king in his place second chronicles 24 and now second kings now remember we just went back a few hundred years historically um so just keep that in mind. Joash was seven years old when he became king. In the seventh year of Jehu, Joash became king, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zibiah. She was from Beersheba. Throughout the time the priest Jehoiada instructed him, Joash did what was right in the Lord's sight. Yet the high places were not taken away. The people continued sacrificing and burning incense on the high places. Then Joash said to the priests, All the dedicated silver brought to the Lord's temple, since silver, silver from vows, and all the silver voluntarily given for the Lord's temple, each priest is to take it from his assessor and repair whatever damage is found in the temple. But by the twenty-third year of the reign of King Joash, the priests had not repaired the damage to the temple. So King Joash called the priest Jehoiada and the other priests and asked, why haven't you repaired the temple damage? Since you haven't, don't take any silver from your assessors. Instead, hand it over for the repair of the temple. So the priests agreed that they would receive no silver from the people and would not be the ones to repair the temple's damage. Then the priest 
Jehoiada took a chest, bored a hole in its lid, and set it beside the altar on the right side as one enters the Lord's temple. The priests who guarded the threshold put it put into the chest all the silver that was brought into the Lord's temple. Whenever they saw that there was a large amount of silver in the chest, the king's secretary and the high priest would go bag up and tally the silver found in the Lord's temple. Then they would give the weighed silver to those doing the work, those who oversaw the temple. They, in turn, would pay it out to those working on the Lord's temple, the carpenters, builders, masons, and stonecutters, and would use it to buy timber and quarried stone to repair the damage to the Lord's temple and for all the expenses for temple repairs. However, no silver bowls, wick trimmers, sprinkling basins, trumpets, or any articles of gold or silver were made for the Lord's temple from the contributions brought to the Lord's temple. Instead, it was given to those doing the work, and they repaired the Lord's temple with it. No accounting was required from the men who received the silver to pay those doing the work, since they worked with integrity. The silver from the guilt offering and the sin offering was not brought to the Lord's temple since it belonged to the priests. Uh, by the way, did you notice how in the account later there was um, in the one in Second Chronicles that they actually commented that their people had joy when the temple was getting repaired, right? They, they were glad. I mean, think about it. I don't mind paying my taxes when I feel like we've got good leaders. Right? Okay, continuing. At that time, King Hazael of Aram marched up and fought against Gath and captured it. Then he planned to attack Jerusalem. So King Joash of Judah took all the items consecrated by himself and by his ancestors, Judah's king Jehoshaphat, Jehoram, and Ahaziah, as well as all the gold found in the treasuries of the Lord's temple and in the king's palace, and he sent them to King Hazael of Aram. Then Hazael withdrew from Jerusalem. The rest of the events of Joash's reign, along with all his accomplishments, are written in the historical record of Judah's kings. Joash's servants conspired against him and attacked him at Beth Milo on the road that goes down to Selah. It was his servants, Jehazabad son of Shimeath and Jehazabad son of Shomer, who attacked him. He died, and they buried him with his ancestors in the city of David, and his son Amaziah became king in his place. And that's chapter 12 of Second Kings. Notice that the end there in Chronicles called out the fact that they didn't bury him in the tombs of the kings, right? Kind of emphasized his turn to the bad side a little more. I find that stuff fascinating, and it's there for a reason. All right, turning to our closing wisdom segment today, we've got a medium-length psalm, uh, but I want to actually take your attention for a second to the New Testament, which has a verse that every serious Christian, I think, must stop and carefully reflect upon. The verse is 1 Peter 4.17, and the ominous words are these, For the time has come for judgment to begin with God's household. My friends, where was the corruption once the good priest Jehoiada was out of the way? It was in the church. Yeah. We must always um, well, we're called to purity, both as individuals and as a body. Psalm 50 
is a psalm of Asaph. The Mighty One, God, the Lord, speaks. He summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. From Zion, the perfection of beauty, God appears in radiance. Our God is coming. He will not be silent. Devouring fire precedes him, and a storm rages around him. On high, he summons heaven and earth in order to judge his people. Saying, Gather my faithful ones to me, those who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens proclaim his righteousness, for God is the judge. Selah. Listen, my people, and I will speak. I will testify against you, Israel. I am God, your God. I do not rebuke you for your sacrifices or for your burnt offerings, which are continually before me. I will not take a bull from your household or male goats from your pens, for every animal in the f- of the forest is mine, a cattle on the thousand hills. I know every bird of the mountains and the creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and everything in it is mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer a thanksgiving sacrifice to God and pay your vows to the Most High. Call on me in a day of trouble and I will rescue you and you will honor me. But God says to the wicked, What right do you have to recite my statutes and to take my covenant on your lips? You hate instruction and fling my words behind you. When you see a thief and you make friends with him and you associate with adulterers, you unleash your mouth for evil and harness your tongue for deceit. You sit, maligning your brother, slandering your mother's son. You have done these things, and I kept silent. You thought I was just like you. But I will rebuke you and lay out the case before you. Understand this, you who forget God, or I will tear you apart and there will be no one to rescue you. Whoever offers a thanksgiving sacrifice honors me, and whoever orders his conduct, I will show him the salvation of God. Psalm 50 Uh, Father in heaven, I would love to come before you and say that my hands were clean. But Lord, I guess that's why grace is amazing. Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray for each person here, Lord, that you would help us in that I-thou relationship, both us and you, but as individuals and as a body. Lord, help us to be a pure bride, suitable for a reunion, a wedding, a feast, a banquet. Lord, I I pray, Lord, that we would just be ready and that we would honor you, that our sacrifices would be those of thanksgiving. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen. Amen.